thank you very much. Dirk Burschlieber, as you know, I am <laughs> modest as always in the second row. <laughs> Um, thank you for the invitation. No, indeed, it's the first time that I'm here in, uh, in Vienna at the premises of the energy community. Uh, but I worked, I was involved in the, in the birth of the energy community, chairing the intergovernmental conference, which negotiated that treaty 10 years ago and, uh, and drafted the wording and some insight into the process may explain why there are certain uh, difficulties in the treaty, weak points, and perhaps also some, some strong points. That's what I'm trying to, to speak about. One should know that uh, the objectives of the, of the role of the energy community has changed slightly within the last 10 years because the out the geopolitical scene and the energy scene, globalization, has changed, and also because the energy community has grown up and become a real <coughs> full-fledged, well-working organization. In the beginning, uh, the idea was just to, to create a link between the, uh, member, uh, the countries of Southeast Europe, between them and the rest of the community, in order to advance, I guess I push here. Yes, here we are. You see, uh, we were under the impression of that uh, blackout, famous blackout in 2000. They are always disasters. <laughs> blackout in 2003, 28th November. This is not a picture of the blackout. It's a picture of the normal uh, life, electricity life in Europe. Uh, you see Benelux well illuminated, you see the northern Italy. There was a problem at, uh, <coughs> in Switzerland when uh, Italy imported too much French nuclear energy, electricity via Switzerland at the Lucmania Pass and the line was overloaded and overloaded, it stretched, and it fell against, it touched a, a tree, which uh, led to a, to a uh, <coughs> dysfunction of that, a blockage of that line. And as the electricity had then to go through other lines, the Gotthard line broke down, and one after the other, all the 20 lines linking Italy with uh, its neighbors broke down, because that is the, the lesson we learned at that time. Electricity finds its way itself. You can't tell electricity where it has to go. Uh, the problem was here, the initial problem. But as Italy was low voltage sucking in, attracting electricity, and France had too much electricity, the, uh, the electricity found its way through the direct lines, through Austria, through Slovenia. All these lines uh, broke down, and afterwards in Italy also the lines broke down and there was a <coughs> complete uh, electricity failure, a complete blackout during the uh, 28th of September 2003. Fortunately, it was a Sunday. So we learned that, when had, that we are all in link, interlinked uh, uh, despite uh, legal regulations, so we have to cooperate uh, administratively, uh, technically, and the, the, the initial problem was indeed a communication problem between the Swiss operator and, and the Italian operator. So the first thing was to uh, create 
to, uh, a secure network to re-establish the networks in uh, Southeast Europe, which had been destroyed uh, during the Civil War, and, uh, and uh, also to link Greece to the rest of the European Union. I call it European Union, also, even if it was called differently at that time. Uh, the rest of the European Union, as Bulgaria and Romania, were not yet members of the European Union as they are now. Uh, the second uh, idea objective was to prepare those countries uh, for accession if they wished uh, to do accession. And the third item, indirectly, not official item, but indirectly was to, uh, to contribute to a climate of stability and peace after 10 years, 12 years of fratricide of civil war in Southeast Europe, which is not without remembering uh, the, uh, the beginnings of the European integration, uh, European Community for Steel and, and Coal. Uh, it's only later now that the energy community uh, plays an, an part and plays an even increasing part as concerns security of supply and a pan-European strategy for uh, energy supply. The I've got a picture of the of the negotiation team uh, when they signed, initialed, it's called in diplomatic terms, the treaty after having uh, done all all the text. Uh, Jean-Michel Glachon, where is he? No, he's not. He's not on the picture. <laughs> where is he? Uh? Show me. The other day I was in a conference with Jean-Michel Glachon, who stands up, yes. <laughs> but that's Jean-Michel Glachon. Guten Morgen. Uh, the other day I, I attended a conference by Jean-Michel, and he showed picture from his youth when he was a baby, so I dare to, cha to, cha to show some picture from, from my youth. Uh, the, the climate, the, the working climate, second out. The working climate was um, difficult in the sense that uh, those people, there was a lot of mistrust among those countries, uh, and uh, which showed another picture. That's at the final drink. You see, the Turkey was participating all of the of the negotiations until the last moment. We even, when we signed the treaty, we even had on the evening two different versions, one with Turkey and one without Turkey. It was only uh, <coughs> clear at the very, very morning of that day that Turkey would not sign yet, not initial yet. The other item which was tricky was UNMIC uh, because they, there was the problems of, legal, of the legal status of UNMIC. When UNMIC was represented by a diplomat from the United Nations, and that diplomat, right at the beginning, told the conference that uh, he was uh, a diplomat, he was not from Kosovo, he didn't understand much of energy, so he had brought along uh, a representative of the Ministry of Energy of, of Kosovo, and he would like him to speak. 
that made a roar, uproar. Half of the delegations uh, said they would leave the room if the, the representative of the Ministry of Kosovo would speak. The other half said that they would leave the room if he uh, was not allowed to speak. We, we found a compromise, a typical diplomatic, almost Belgian compromise, uh, making his voice heard in the conference room without being legally part of, that, uh, of the conference. But just to show you that there were some tensions in the beginning, and the, the main idea was not to contribute to the pan-European strategy of, of, and, and to, to, to governance, but just try to, to come together and to find some uh, solutions for them. I go back to the other picture, and more people on that. Now, what are the... Uh, so the idea was not to, to create new governments. But nevertheless, incidentally, they did uh, create some new items and some interesting items. The, the strong points, governmentally, uh, on the point of view of governance, are the institutions. They, uh, you, the energy community is not com uh, structured like a classical international organization. You have a council which resembles a little bit the council uh, of the European Union. You have a secretariat which resembles a little bit to the Commission, but not yet told, uh, called as, as such, and not yet with all the powers, but that may be part of the, of the reform discussion going on. Uh, during the negotiations, uh, delegates felt that they couldn't entrust too much power through a secretariat, which they didn't know yet. It has not yet been uh, uh, constructed. Uh, they had, there were several delegations who trusted more the Commission. The Commission from the outside, technical knowledge, uh, experience in internal market, they wanted to give as much power to the European Commission, which was not fully possible neither, because the European Commission was part of the European Union, which was a part of the a party to the treaty itself. But uh, it, it, it explains why uh, in the second chapter on the internal market, uh, on, on, on energy, uh, policy, the Commission has a right of initiative, and indeed not only a right to do proposals, but also the right to withdraw proposals, something which was contested, uh, more and more contested inside the European Union at that time, but it's written in the treaty. And interestingly, from a legal point of view, the Commission, when it does such proposals, it does not so on behalf of the European Union with the mandate of the Council in Brussels, but at personam, uh, because uh, it has the right of initiative just uh, because it's the European Commission which developed the uh, initiated the legislation also in, in Brussels. Another thing which is uh, modern, where the energy community treaty is more advanced than the uh, treaties of the European Union, is the mentioning is, uh, of the regulators and of the fora. Uh, they are enshrined in the energy community treaty. Uh, also, they are not yet have yet all the powers one may have expect, and they don't have all the links uh, with the uh, regulators and the fora of the European Union as one may want. <coughs> so the treaty on the energy community is more modern than the Rome Treaty, the Paris Treaty, uh, creating the European Community, European uh, Union afterwards. Uh, there is a chapter. There are provisions on uh, the environment, on renewables. Environment, by the way, which is one of the reasons why Turkey 
did at the end not sign the treaty because they had several reservations linked to the relations between the, the Iraq, Iraq and Turkey and in the regions of the Kurds uh, linked to environment. And there are uh, modern formulations of the free movement of goods. Most of all, there is a chapter on trade policy, which seems normal because we have a chapter on trade policy in the treaty uh, establishing the, the European Union and, and the treaty on the function of the European Union. But uh, here it's spelled out clearly that trade policy applies to energy policy, which, is, which has been forgotten a little bit in the European Union for uh, 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, member states did their external relations at their own discretion without bothering about uh, competences of the European Union, and the European Union did not insist, did not dare to insist on the European Union. They have now to try to, 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 to uh, uh, come, overcome that delay, uh, and they're trying so. That's one of the reasons of the energy union to have more competence in the external part. But from a legal point of view, that competence for external policy, for trade policy, exists already under the Rome Treaty, as has been, and the Treaty on the Function of the European Union, as has been confirmed at the end of last year uh, by a confirmed by a landmark decision of the European Court of Justice. Trade policy in energy matters is exclusive competence of the European Union. Uh, member, individual member states do not have that competence. But uh, we will come, perhaps, uh, during the conference at the practical difficulties of, of uh, applying this. <coughs> then you should know that in those days, there was a request by a Polish Prime Minister, not Donald Tusk yet, uh, that uh, we need mutual assistance in energy matters versus third countries. The famous mutual assistance clause of Article 5 of the NATO Treaty. So that Prime Minister had said, or we add, we copy Article 5 and we put it into the Treaty of the European Union, or we add energy to the NATO Treaty. Uh, both ideas were feasible. NATO was, uh, was happy because they were looking for new, new jobs as, uh, and energy has a strategic importance. It's a problem if you do it from bottom up, then you look at military security, at, at security in general, and you come to energy, or you, if you look at it from the, from the bottom, technical internal market, uh, blackouts, and then you come upwards to uh, cooperation uh, of mutual uh, assistance. Uh, the point is, and indeed this idea of the Polish Prime Minister was then taken up in the treaty, in the new energy chapter of the Lisbon Treaty, where there is a reference, just three words, to the spirit of solidarity. But in the Treaty of the Energy Community, there is such a clause of mutual assistance. So the Energy Community Treaty is going uh, far uh, than the, uh, the Treaty of the European Union. Uh, although that mutual assistance clause requires unanimity in the council of uh, ministerial council, and that makes it difficult to apply it in practice, perhaps. But uh, the Treaty on Energy Community is, uh, is more evolved, and the European Union has more obligations of assistance versus 
the energy community contracting parties, including Ukraine, when they have mutual assistance obligations between the member states, the 28 member states of the European Union. <coughs> I skipped the language problem. Uh, it's the only treaty which is European treaty which is valid only in English language. And that was because when the French and the Italians asked that it should also be valid in, 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 in French, in German, in Spanish, the Turkish, uh, Turkish delegation said that they were the biggest country in number of inhabitants, and Turkish was the language which was most spoken in that new energy community, and that Turkish should be at least the second language. At that moment, the French, the Italians, everybody. Uh, <laughs> we scrapped the article on, on languages. There's no article. You just have a treaty which is uh, written in English. So, incidentally, English has been the, become the official language. And a fourth item, flexibility. There is a flexibility clause allowing to extend the uh, topics covered by the energy community, from gas and electricity to other energy uh, sources and carriers, and to other uh, network industries. We thought of uh, air traffic, which was a problem there, uh, railroad, all the, t all the network problems, telecommunications. Uh, and that the treaty can be extended without a new intergovernment inter conference. We just paved the way. It was an offer for the colleagues uh, from other uh, sectors, but they didn't take it up. And uh, the other item is that there is a, a flexibility clause that you can uh, make new mem uh, contracting parties adhere to the energy community without a new intergovernment conference, without a ratification of that accession treaty. This can be done just by a decision of the ministerial council, but of course in the ministerial council each minister will check if his home government is in agreement or not. But it's a, a more flexibility clause than the, the, the accession procedure, for example, of the European Union. Uh, in the beginning, uh, we were not sure how the baby should be called. Some would, would like, thought it would be extended to other topics, like uh, telecommunications, like, like uh, traffic, and they just wanted to call it the Southeast uh, community. Uh, Southeast European community, and others said uh, it was more important to have that uh, openness, geographical openness. So that's why, in the end, uh, we couldn't. They they called it energy community, sticking sticking for the moment to energy, but opening to other countries. And indeed, even not not in only in Southeast Europe, but even Norway felt felt uh, uh, encouraged to apply. Now, what are the, the weak points of government? Some people say the problem of today is investment, and there is not a single word about investment in that treaty of the creating the energy community. Now, that was with intention, intentionally. We avoided the word investment because the camera is still running, you, you, and the press is writing, okay. We avoided the word investment because that would have meant uh, shared competence with member states. And many of the neighboring member states of Southeast Europe, Greece, Italy, uh, were very keen that this should be a treaty not just between the countries of Southeast Europe, 
and the European Union as such, but on the other, that, that there should also be Italy, Greece, and the other member states of the European Union partners of that contracting partners, sign signatures of, these, uh, of this treaty. And uh, delegations felt that it was better that the European Union would, be, would speak with one voice because experience in international aggregations in the traffic sector, in the telecommunication sector, uh, road air traffic, has shown that when there is the European Union one speak sitting next to the member states, and once it's the European Union who's speaking, once it's the member states who's speaking, and they're even speaking in divergent manners, that creates confusion. <coughs> so there is no word on investment, and indeed, the treaty was signed on behalf of the European Union, <coughs> only by the European Union, but not by individual member states. And investment, of course, was indirectly settled. Uh, there's no investment fund in the energy community, but by creating a stable framework, uh, we uh, give more confidence to investors. Uh, indeed, European Investment Bank, the World Bank, were observers at the international and the intergovernmental conference creating the treaty to see how stable this would, would, would look like. And once there is a stable framework, legal framework in Southeast Europe, investors will also come. The second uh, problem is dispute settlement. There is a panel on that. Uh, later on, so I will be short. The dispute settlement was just copied from Article 7 of the uh, Treaty of the European Union, which deals with very important uh, uh, violations of basic values, of fundamental rights, of demo democracy, and so on. Uh, some countries wanted, a, Turkey especially, a court of the energy community but the other said that for a community which initially was foreseen to last 10 years, it was uh, superfluous to create a court, and indeed that court would have, had, have had no much work during the first year, 10 years, and so they were against. They thought that they could do, apply, if necessary, to the European Court of Justice, but then Turkey was against because they had in mind not only infringement procedures between the Secretariat and individual contracting parties or between contract, uh, contracting parties from Southeast Europe, they had also in mind uh, uh, disputes between contracting parties, Turkey, and the European Union. And they said in such a case, if we disagree with the European Union's behavior in the energy community, we don't want to go to the Luxembourg Court of the European Union, so we need a, a specific court. And that was one of the official arguments, the second official argument, environment, and this one, why Turkey finally did not in, uh, sign the treaty. Official arguments. Unofficial arguments are, of course, the link, the synchronization with the overall uh, negotiations of Turkey for accession to the European Union. And uh, yeah, now the problem comes up, you will see. I, I see that, I think that is a good sign that these problems come up now because they show that the Europe energy community is becoming adult. In the initial European Union, uh, in the first 12 years, 15 years, uh, in the 60s, let's say, in the 1560s, there were not much, inf no, no many infringement procedures uh, because there was not much legislation. But once 
uh, in the 70s when the legislation become, should have been applied. There were infringement procedures, and where they, whereas there had been the, the exception in the beginning, they are now a, a normal common, common day procedure. So it's not a bad sign that there are infringement procedures. It's just a sign that the energy community is, is coming to cruising speed. Finally, the geopolitical role uh, of the energy community and its link to, to the energy union. Now, we will have a panel on that. May I just remind you that the idea of the energy community uh, has come up in, in different ways. The first was Philippe Herzog of the Fren French think tank Confrontation Europe uh, ten years ago. He proposed an energy community, what he called an energy community, which was in reality a closer cooperation in the energy field. When the draft convention of Giscardistan failed, where there had been uh, an energy chapter, included an energy chapter, he thought that it was, it was nevertheless necessary to have uh, an energy chapter, an energy uh, legislation. And as everybody thought that the convention was dead and didn't dare yet to dream of the Lisbon Treaty. Uh, he proposed that that uh, energy uh, community of something in addition to the energy uh, to the uh, European Union. Though the, he had two errors. One error was that he called it energy community without knowing that that name already exists. So there was some confusion there. And secondly, uh, his idea of of having separate treaty. Uh, was slightly overtaken by the Lisbon Treaty, who has an energy chapter. But of course, that energy chapter is not, not perfect. Energy chapter of the Lisbon Treaty has three steps forward and one step backwards on each item. Uh, and uh, that's why he thought it was still necessary. And indeed, he got support from the law and from the Foreign School of Regulation with all the studies you did on Schengenization of energy, uh, permitting for closer cooperation on energy matters for those member states of the European Union who want to do most. So that was an, an idea of, of uh, closer cooperation with, with a reduced num number of participants. Then uh, Donald Tusk, uh, one year ago, took that, uh, pr promoted an energy union, but from a different point of view, of that famous Polish point of view, uh, external relations, how to do have a better bargaining position versus supplying countries, Russia and other supplying countries. So it was not reducing the participants, but was more ex uh, extending the participants, especially when afterwards Budzek came up with the idea that there should be an energy union covering everything, the, energy, uh, the European Union, the energy community, and the Mediterranean cooperation uh, agreements, to which uh, uh, Kopacz and Bushley rightly answered very politely and indirectly uh, last year that the European Union is already part of the energy community, so there's no sense to have a, uh, an umbrella above the energy community and the energy union. One should perhaps think of uh, improving the energy community. Now, Junk, uh, President Juncker last July, when he presented himself to the European Parliament, launched, took up the word uh, energy com uh, union from Mr. T uh, Tusk and just said, I propose an energy union. Now, for I, I didn't speak to him. I don't know him personally. Uh, but I don't know how much he has uh, looked into the matter. 
in the sense he had the word union as a buzzword for closer co cooperation everywhere. He promotes, of course, monetary and ec economic and monetary union. He proposed a uh, uh, banking union. He proposed in his speech a union for democratic change. So he proposed also an energy union. And then he said, I have two, two commissioners, a vice president and commissioner who will deal with it. And I guess that it was in July. I guess that uh, then in August, the poor officials of the European Commission doing the briefings for the future candidates for, to become commissioners and vice presidents. There's a briefing, and how did they do the briefing? They looked into their drawers, and they took out all the ideas they had there for, for a long time. And that's why you have now a proposal by the Commission, a paper by the Commission on the Energy Union, which covers everything, uh, which on the first uh, uh, side may look uh, awkward. Uh, Jean-Michel Glachon calls it an empty box because there's nothing in there. In reality, and everybody can imagine uh, everything in there. Uh, it's, it reminds me of uh, President Delors when he launched the internal market package in 30 years ago, in 1985, when he combined 300 proposals of all the different fields of uh, community life into one package, a comprehensive package, uh, and and in times of Euroscepticism, Euro-pessimism of crisis, uh, it can be a motivation factor, as you said this morning in another, in another context. Um, and in this sense, Ukraine can even help, the Ukraine crisis can help to push forward the, uh, the energy union because uh, it's, uh, it fills that box and as you you like to quote Hillary Clinton, never waste a crisis. European integration has very often advanced when there was a crisis. I, but we will have a panel, on, a specific panel on that. I'm very happy to attend this uh, panel uh, to, uh, and to attend the whole meeting today. I hope that the uh, energy union will give a boost to the European Union as well as to the energy community and I wish you a very successful uh, conference today. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed for a, a fascinating glimpse into the history uh, of the energy community and also I think in recalling uh, the birth of, of this institution you've given us a lot of insights into some of the issues facing us today. Um, you left us with the idea that maybe the concept of energy union is, is an empty box. Uh, that's something maybe we'll turn to now to see if uh, the rest of the panel uh, agree with that or is it, be, are we being invited to think out of the box uh, and come up with some, some new ideas. Uh, we, men you, we mentioned, Derek mentioned that uh, in 2015 the most important event is of course the, the 10th anniversary uh, of uh, the energy community, which means I think he'll be throwing a big party to which we're all invited, right? Good. Um, of course, there's a lot going on um, this year uh, on the energy scene. There's the energy union discussion. There's the launch of the International Energy Charter uh, scheduled for May, I think is the kickoff political conference in The Hague. Uh, there's some fascinating developments going on in the old European Energy Charter Treaty with Italy threatening to leave, I believe. 
that raises a lot of interesting questions. So 2015 is indeed, uh, I think, going to be a great year uh, for energy law. Um, and we'll all be able to celebrate this at uh, this famous birthday party um, when this occurs.